0: Today, we are kicking off our summer sermon series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we are going on a faith adventure through the book of Acts. Um, Often, when you think of the book of Acts, um, I ask people, so when you think of Acts, what's Acts? And you say, oh, the Acts of the apostles, the Acts of the disciples. And that's like a common understanding of what Acts stands for. Well, we're going to be looking at acts as we journey through as the acts of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the Spirit, always asking the question from um, Willie James Jennings' commentary on the book of Acts that I'm reading, what is the spirit up to in this passage? What is the spirit up to in this chapter, in this spot that we're reading? And so I invite you to ask that same question throughout the summer as we journey through the book of Acts. So last week when we were worshiping in the garden, um, I'll never get it straight. Uh, John, uh, got, the Jesus promised, we heard the promise when we were worshiping in the garden that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. John, baptized with water, Jesus said, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, this week, we are celebrating the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And uh, our scripture passage is Acts 2, verses 1 through 13. If you'd like to turn there, you may. The scripture will be on the the screen, or you may just listen to the word of God. So it's... Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and comforts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and said, they have had too much wine. This is God's word. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Pentecost, as, the, as we heard earlier from Sam and Roman, is the day in the life of the church when we celebrate how God sent the holy spirit to continue the work that jesus began while jesus was on earth sometimes pentecost is referred to the church's birthday and sometimes maybe you've heard this one hot sunday anybody ever heard that before yeah flame banners flames hanging from the from the 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 ceiling, yes, and from the pulpit, and um, this is Pentecostal. Pentecost has its roots in the Old Testament. Jews have been observing Pentecost for centuries, penta, 50, 50 days after the Passover. It comes from several passages in the Old Testament, you can find references to Pentecost. in, in Leviticus 23, it's referred to as the festival of weeks. Verse 10 says, count off 50 days. And then uh, there, verse 22 talks about the, the justice practices. Do not reap the very edges. Leave them for the poor and foreigner residing among you. This is part of the festival, these justice practices. Sounds like Jesus so when this day of pentecost came a day of celebration and sacrifice and sacred assembly in our scripture passage today acts one or acts 2 1 when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place it was common for people to make pilgrimage to jerusalem and be there for the festival of pentecost for people to take, make a trek, people from all over the place to make a trek to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. It was this high festival. And the description of what happens in our text today is what the Bible writers at the time was that what they could come up with to describe this mysterious event. It wasn't a violent wind, it was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, we read in verse 2. They weren't tongues of fire, verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Think Moses, the burning bush, fire that didn't get consumed. So it, it was just the best that they could do to describe this magnificent, extraordinary event. It was dramatic. It was exceptional. It was unlike anything that they had ever experienced before. I'm looking at, at Jess's art here, and you know that's beautiful and unlike anything I've seen before. I wonder if that's what you know in in a in a cosmic way if it looked something like that. Verse four, all of them, we read, were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in tongues, all different tongues. They spoke in other tongues, not their own, but everybody present could understand it. Was it like a... a, Pigeon language, a, a unique dialect to each person's own little region. It wasn't Greek, which was the common language of the time, but it was this dialect that all of these different people who had Greek in common could understand. Each person could understand in their own private, s- separate dialect. How is that happening? The day of Pentecost came. It happened. That happened. Acts uh, 2.12, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Nothing like this had happened before. And in their anxiety, in their absence of understanding, some people filled in the narrative. Verse 13, they have had too much wine. That's what's going on. Today, as followers of Jesus, we are Pentecost Christians people who identify as Christians today and follow Jesus. Pentecost Christians. We live post-Pentecost. That happened. The day of Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit was poured out in order that we can continue the work that Jesus did on Earth. Jesus was very specific. Jesus told the disciples over and over again, and they didn't get it, but Jesus said it, I have to leave. You'll do greater things than me. Proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, have compassion on the poor and the sick and the suffering. Feed the hungry, administer justice, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do these things, Jesus said. It happened, and then the day of Pentecost came. However, often today, we carry on as if the day of Pentecost didn't come. Something happens that we can't explain, and we are quick to fill in the narrative. Understanding and reason comfort us. Knowing exactly can be comforting. A known quantity can be more comforting than a mystery. How would your life change if there were no Holy Spirit in it? It's a little difficult question to answer, but wonder about that a minute. How would your life look different without the Holy Spirit? Some of you may be totally unsure of, like, well, I'm not really sure what role the Holy Spirit plays at all. And some of you might like, need the Holy Spirit like you need oxygen, like, oh, you know, I um, The Holy Spirit is my go-to. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Tuned into the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you don't even really buy into the Holy Spirit the whole theology. I mean, I imagine some of us are just in all maybe we're all in all different places. But we can see from Scripture what life looks like without the Holy Spirit. When Jesus walked the earth pre-Holy Spirit with the disciples. When Jesus was with the disciples, they were constantly arguing, you know, who's going to be on your left? Who's going to be on your right? Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus, can I sit by you? Can I sit by you in heaven? Like, Jesus is with them, and that's what they're concerned about, right? And then, and then Jesus instructs them on healings and deliverances, and, 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 and there's a passage in Scripture when Jesus goes um, on an, up for the transfiguration. He's like, he goes on his camping trip, right? And then they're... Um, the disciples are trying to do healings, and 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 they can't do it. They can't do anything. And Jesus comes back, and they they pursue him, and they're like, Jesus, none of this worked. We couldn't do anything. We did all the things you said, and we could. And Jesus says to them, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? When Jesus is arrested, the disciples scatter. They all bail, and then right afterward, they Peter's approached. Are you one of Jesus' people? No, not me. Three times. Nope, I don't know him. I don't know him. He's like fearful and panicked and afraid of what's going to happen. They're, they're, it's chaotic. Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection and they don't recognize him. They hear testimony about Jesus having been raised from the dead and, and they aren't sure if they buy it. All of these are just account after account after account before the Spirit comes. And then Pentecost, boom. They believe, they proclaim, they perform signs and wonders, healings, miracles. Thousands convert to become followers of Jesus. They are on fire figuratively. They are so passionate Nothing can hold them back from proclaiming who Jesus is. No one would deny Jesus after Pentecost. The Spirit comes and transforms their lives. They begin to prophesy, they preach freedom, they heal, they deliver. The disciples are tuned in to Jesus through the Spirit. They have the power of the Holy Spirit in them, the same power that Jesus operated out of when Jesus walked the earth. Now that same power is in the disciples and they operate out of it. Their faith is strengthened. They have capacity to live out of that identity as they walk around. They are no longer with Jesus physically walking the earth. Now the Spirit is in them part of them and goes wherever they go. They carry Jesus with them through the spirit and then diaspora. The day of Pentecost came that day and the spirit has come. Like a living and breathing active presence then and now here. Here at Creston Church, the Spirit persists, continues in us today, and we have testimony of it. Testimony, so many testimonies of the Spirit's presence in our lives. One of my favorite Holy Spirit stories of my own life, this is um, like, I don't know, lots of years ago, 18 years ago, I was gardening in my backyard and I was um, getting weeds, pulling weeds, putting them in a wheelbarrow and w- w- taking the wheelbarrow out to the backwoods to dump them. And this word came to my mind and the word was watchmoney. And I was like watchmoney, what is watchmoney, is that a band? Is that a restaurant? Is that a word in a foreign language? Watchmany. Watchmany. What is that? I had never heard it before. I I have a clear memory of where I was behind that wheelbarrow when the word came to my mind. And then later that week, I went to a Bible study at Oakdale Park Church that was led by Edie Badgema, a friend of mine. Some of you may recognize that name because of Coffee Break. She's the author of many of the Coffee Break materials, Edie Badgema. And at this particular Bible study, Edie just wrote the Bible studies as we went along. So we were like literally just studying the Bible with Edie. And she would prepare each week as she was led and saw fit. And I went to the Bible study and I had this eerie feeling around all of these women that I didn't know, but I was sitting there and I just kept feeling this sense of pay attention, this is the beginning, pay attention just pay attention and I kept feeling like the beginning of what the beginning of what you know I was in this church I didn't know with these women I didn't know and and it was just you know very odd but I was like okay pay attention you know there was nothing unusual or exceptional that was happening but I just was paying attention paying attention and at the end of our Bible study that day I and um, the very back and it wasn't part of our Bible study it was just on the on the back of the page, um, I, we get to the very end and we flip it over and there's this paragraph excerpt by Watchman Nee, the author, this Chinese Christian convert, which but your, our coffee break studied this year, never had heard of him never had read about him, never had, I, I went to a friend and they were like, oh, you should start with, um, yeah, he's a guy, you should read The Normal Christian Life, that, that's a good one to read, and, and I soaked it up. Why that was significant was because Edie was this anointed teacher of scripture, and I just became dialed in to learning about the word and just, I, I couldn't get enough of, of, of the studying the word and it was a significant part of my calling process to, to go to seminary. And the hardest part about going to seminary in part was leaving Edie. I couldn't study the word of God with Edie anymore. I had to go to seminary and, and you know cut out a lot of things from my life. Fast forward five years after seminary, and I am being ordained at Brookside Church, and the words spoken over me are from Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Because the day of Pentecost came, these then prophetic words became a reality in my life. And not just my life, your life, your life too. God poured out the Holy Spirit on the apostles, on the church, and then on me, and on you so that you and I and the church of all time could continue the work that Jesus Christ began when Christ walked the earth. Pentecost means that God anoints you and equips you and empowers you to be agents of grace in the world. What does that say about God? It says, the God that as people who come to a, a church and profess God, it says that God believes in you. You are worthy to continue the work that Jesus started. God who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The day of Pentecost came, that happened. The spirit was poured out on God's people to continue the work that Jesus began and God's people includes you and that work continues today that equipping as we approach this communion table